Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You and our last episode of season two of our Woo! podcast. Kathy, can you believe it? I can't believe it. It's been amazing. I, mean, I can't believe we've done two seasons. And I showed my friend our – I was like, yeah, you should listen to our podcast. Here's the website. And my friend was like, damn, you guys recorded a lot of episodes. And I was like, we sure have. We sure have. We are machines. <laughs> or we just really like the sound of our own voices. Well, we just like each other and we like talking to each other about all sorts of teenagery things. So it's true. That's true. So today's episode, we thought, given that we're recording in mid May, summer is here. The wildflowers are blooming in Northern California. We thought we would talk about wellness and how to just think about cultivating and promoting your child's wellness during the summer before they start the next school year. And maybe how to also cultivate your own wellness as a parent. So where should we begin, Kathy? I mean, I think that I'll start with sort of my, what I see as the role of summer. So to me, the summertime is really a chance for children to, big kids and little kids, all kids, to rest, to play, to engage in a kind of lightness and activity that can be really difficult to have accessible during the academic year when they're really busy with school and homework and sports and extracurriculars. So I think an ideal way to spend time in summer is to have play, like the role of play for adults, but also especially for young people is so critical to healthy development and is so easily squashed in our society. So that's one thing I would say about summer is promoting play. What would you add to that? Wait, I thought we were going to do an episode on how you should spend your entire summer prepping for the SAT and taking a math class so that you can skip the next level of math next year. Yes, that's a different episode <laughs> that we will never, ever do. <laughs> that that well, like your rival companies, that the, some of the college counseling companies that rival Village are probably recording that episode right now. How to make summer as utilitarian as possible. That's so right. not how us. How to get ahead this summer. Ugh, so annoying. How to get ahead. Yeah, don't do that. We're like, how to frolic. Oh, my God. Can you, okay, so just as an example, I had a parent call me who said, oh, my God, we talked to an, a test prep company, and this woman is also an independent college counselor, and she said that our son needed to be studying for the ACT and the SAT, and that test optional is not a real thing, and that she, he needed to do what? both of those things. I was like, uh, this person. That's what I said. I was like, this woman is a horrible that person. That woman just wants your money. I know. I was like, Of course no, she's saying is- SAT and ACT because guess what? That's more hours of studying, which means more money in her pocket. That's nonsense. Don't do that. Right, right. And that if he was going to do a summer, like a pre-college program, it needed to be at least 
four weeks or else it wasn't seen as legitimate by colleges. That's some bullshit. (laughs) So gross. I know. I was like, please. Okay. So I know the reality is that kids are doing pre-college programs. I know that kids are going to camp. I know kids are doing things, right? And to prepare for the college process, I get it. I know kids are prepping for SAT. I know all of that is happening and I know – for a lot of kids, that's an ideal time. I know Meredith's face <laughs> right now, she has her entire hand is covering her face. I know it's so yucky and it's annoying. And I practically I get it because we also do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the some stuff process. we tell. Well, let's make a distinction between the kids who are about to embark on the college process because they have they do have some stuff to do, right? Like our rising seniors have some stuff to do this summer related to the college process. And like the rising eighth grader, they're not the same. Right. And I think there's a balance, right? Like there's a balance. For sure. And I think that's what's lacking for a lot of kids. And why we want to have this episode is because we want to talk about what the other side of the scale should look like. Right. It's like, yes, we know they've got all these things that they need to do in preparation for the next school year. But what are all of the things to kind of balance out the scale so that your kids can have fun and relax and unwind and rejuvenate, like all of those things that are so important, not just in the summer, but throughout the school year. So, but the summer word just gives them more time to do some of these things. So, okay. I think what I would do if I were a parent is sometime in the spring, I would start bringing up the conversation of summer and I would, especially as your children get older, it's important for them to feel like they have some choice and agency in how they spend their time. And it's a good way to sort of model increased responsibility so that if they just say, I really want to go to this camp and they go to this camp, you know, like, let's say the week before they want to bail. You're like, no, we actually had this conversation. This is something you chose. There's not a good enough reason for you to want to bail. Like you're going to camp, but I would start bringing it up in the summer, you know, Hey, like and to me, it's a values conversation. It's like we talk about values all the time at, you know, at Village, and it's a great time to revisit the values and use those values that you have as a family to inform what you decide to do in the summer. So, for example, if one of your values as a family is to spend time together, you know, really thinking about how does that show up in the summer? How will that influence? Like, are you guys going on a family trip together? Are you just Sunday mornings? We we spend time together. I think what can complicate this you know, just to be real about it is summer is also, if your children are younger, yeah, like kind of can't leave them alone for that long. So, you know, if you're working, if you're a two parent working household, you like, you need somebody, you need your kids to go to camp. I have, it's so funny watching my friends who are parents, like, uh, you know, a couple months ago do the like flurry of camp signups. It seems very stressful by the way. Oh, yeah. so sorry. Oh my gosh. It is very stressful. Talk about, talk about a racket. Lists. I know. So People are like, oh my God, there's already a wait list. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So empathy. So, you know, I don't want this conversation to come across as that like Kathy and I don't understand some of the practical realities that might drive some decision-making for the summer, but where possible, choose activities. You know, we always are thinking about ways to help children grow and feel more confident, Right. So how can they be happy and feel more confident in the summer? Okay, I think some of that is routine. Kids just do better with routine and structure, but structure that's not so structured that it's heavy regimented, or so serious, you know, like let them play. And 
Let them have some unstructured time. I think this is a particularly important for younger adolescents that they learn how to move through boredom, that they learn that like they're not always going to be constantly stimulated, that they have to use their imagination to come up with things to do sometimes. Our young people are woefully lacking in imagination these days, in my opinion, because they don't have to exercise it. They're just constantly with like phones and screens and they're constantly stimulated. So the minute life gets still or there's not something to do, they either default to like video games or they're like, I'm so bored. There's nothing to do, which is bad. I could not agree more. And the other thing I... I really love it when kids go to camp, you know, outdoor camp. Like, I'm not talking about oh, like, yeah, yeah, business, yeah. business camp. <laughs> talking, I had a camp. Yeah, not like, <laughs> not investment camp. Yeah, yeah. I had, not programming. Not coding camp, camp not, not in coding their room camp. online. That is not what I'm I mean, talking about. We're not about. knocking that. Like, if those are your kids' interests, like, you know, some kids really geek out on that and go to town. But I think we want, we believe in like photosynthesizing. <laughs> I think getting outdoors is mm-hmm. so valuable. I cannot emphasize it. I think outdoor education is the shit. Like, even if that's not one of your values as a family, like that was not like my family did not camp. We were like, we are not toiling on vacation. Okay. That is not happening. We're going to Vegas and we're going to eat at buffets and we are going to sit by the pool and have food delivered to us. Like we're not trying to work on vacation. So I get it if like outdoors is not your thing, but I do think outdoor education is so valuable for kids and Such, it's just so true. it's and that's why camp is so popular because it gets them out of their comfort zone. It helps them sit with discomfort. You are not going to be staying at the four seasons. You're right. You're going to be in a bunk with a thin mattress and a sleeping bag. And you know what? You're still going to love it cuz you're going to have, have a blast. Yes, you're going to have fun. You're going to make new friends. You're going to learn new skills. Yeah. You're going to come back stronger and tanner. <laughs> you're going to be the photosynthesized, right? So <laughs> you're hilarious. I think, yes, you and I are constantly promoting like Knowles trips, the National Outdoor Leadership School, Outward Bound trips are amazing. And also, um, you know, even things like REI, like REI has great summer classes that yeah. are like are low cost where you can spend a weekend learning to kayak or you can go on like a backpacking trip. Like, I really agree with you that outdoor education is so important and getting kids outside is really important. Well, and the thing connected to the outdoors. And yes, they has- might get sunburned. <laughs> yeah, that they'll be fine. Bring the sunscreen. They'll be fine. Back. Like, okay. let them... The amount of moms that I see putting sunscreen on teenagers, <laughs> I'm like, yo, if your kid they have is hands. over the, they have hands <laughs> that are attached to arms, that they have motor skills, they can do it. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> not still put sunscreen on your teenager. <laughs> but the other thing connected to spending time in the outdoors, which has tons of research backing it, is experiencing awe. Right. Mm. So that is one of the best ways to experience mm. Oz just to stand amongst the redwoods and look up and go, Oh my mm-hmm. God, look at that tree. How long has it been alive? Right. And having those experiences is tied to a better mood, mental mm-hmm. health, you know, positive outcomes, you know, all sorts of good things for kids and adults, not just kids, but just, you know, I, 
encourage you as a family, even if you're not campers, like go, if you're in the Northern California, drive through the redwoods, go to the ocean, right? And just look at the vastness of it and help your kids experience the awe of the planet that we live on and just how yeah. we're just like these little ants <laughs> on this huge. Like, it can be even closer to home. Like yeah. maybe you like gardening or you guys want to yeah. build growing, a, yeah, growing, a you know, growing your own stuff is yeah. really fun and kids love it. It's so fun to watch like these sassy, cynical, like 17 year olds be in a garden. Hilarious. They're like, look at my carrots. I mean, <laughs> we used to have this garden at Branson and the kids would often, when I was just walking on campus in between meetings, I would often see kids sitting there and they were just sitting and I could just tell they were having like kind of a day and they just needed to like sit in the sun around things that were alive and growing. And there is something very restorative. I guess maybe that's the word that I kind of want to draw our attention to is that I think summer should be restorative. It should be joyful. It should be meaningful and engaging, but it should ultimately be restorative. I don't want students to come back to school in August or September so exhausted from their summer that they don't have the stamina they need to do school for the next nine months because they need their brains need to rest. You know, they need to not just do more school. We all benefit from diversity in our activities. And if they're just spending summer replicating the kind of activity, the kind of mental activity that they do during the school year, I would make the case that they're overdeveloping some muscles and underdeveloping others. But I like that comment about awe. Help your kids experience awe because it's also a practice, right? It's the more mm. you experience awe, the more you notice it in the everyday, like you said, like mm. when you watch a plant grow or you keep a plant alive, right? Like kids who are primed to do that, in their lives, will do it more in their everyday lives after the summer is over. You're very philosophical today. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. Okay. I like it. I okay. like it. Okay. Okay. Good. I am, know, I'm bringing my A game because it's the last episode of the season. You right? are. I think I'm bringing my B minus game. I don't think that's true. You don't ever bring a B minus game. Come on now. Lowest grade in college, two unit. I'm about to disclose something. B minus. In, remember that sailing class at USC that everybody yeah, took yeah, to get yeah. a GPA? Uh -huh. Turns out, not so easy for yours truly. Two-unit class. I was so embarrassed. Sailing's hard. So embarrassed. I was like, this is, why is this hard? Why is navigation hard? <laughs> Nautical navigation. Anyway, hard. I digress. The other thing, you know, one of the things that I also, and this is obviously a bias that I have, but I think I'm right. <laughs> I do believe... <laughs> It's we always good. think we're right. That's why we have a podcast. <laughs> I know. Great. What a echo chamber. No, let's, we live in. let's have a podcast <laughs> and be wrong all the time. No, let's not do that. So in addition to sort of living things, you know, and like plants, I think animals are really important in a healthy child's development in part because we're so biased. You won't grow up, you won't grow up with allergies, but I actually, it's more about, I think more what I mean is learning to take summer can be a really lovely time to learn to take care of something yeah. right and that could be a plant that could be a younger sibling that could be an animal but there's real like reward that comes from that that 
I think can feel and be experienced as so much more satisfying than an A on a test. So part of how I think of summer is to give children those experiences of real self-esteem, of mm-hmm. real sort of moments of intrinsic worthiness that are detached from outcome, that are detached yeah. from a grade, a score, a benchmark, a time in a race. An award. Because so much of their September through June is oriented around that style of motivation, extrinsic motivation. I do X to get X reward. And that's, you know, that can be really dangerous in development if that's all that's driving your sense of self. Totally. And to your point, like kids, you know, one of the things that I tell parents all the time when they're struggling with like, what should we do with our kid this summer? I'm like, in that same vein, help them help others. Like Mm. get outside of yourself, right? It's so important. And it gives kids a boost of self-confidence. Totally. That they're actually, that they, this little 12-year-old can help somebody feel better, right? Or can help the environment Mm -hmm. or can help these animals get adopted or whatever the thing might be. Help your neighbor, your elderly neighbor, clean out their garage, run an errand, whatever, walk their dog. You know, like these little things. It doesn't have to be a community service program. It can be if there's an easy one for your family to hook into. And again, it's not just great for your kids during the summer. It's great to have that connection throughout the year. I know their schedules get a lot busier, but you know, you can set aside a weekend once a month to do something together as a family. I think it's so good for kids to not think about themselves for a while. (laughs) Like Totally. Well, and because we talk about this all the time that adolescents are wired to be self-centered. They are like, that's not their fault. They just, they are wired to be that way. And it's important to kind of counteract that egocentrism with intention and the kids that are the most, you know, I think you and I would, we have not done like some double blind exhaustive study on this, but if we think about the students we've worked with over the years and the ones that, you know, there's always the ones that you see graduating and you know, they're going to be just fine in college. And then there's the ones that you're like, Ooh, everything's okay. <laughs> yeah. And when I think about the kids where I'm like, gosh, they're just going to kick ass in college. They're going to do so great. It's the students who are the most balanced. It's the ones who've really cultivated a sense of identity that's rooted in wholesome things. So their whole identity is not attached to their grades or what college they got into. It's attached to deeper, more meaningful, more purposeful markers. Like I feel like I've made a difference with this group of kids that I've been volunteering with for the last four years, or I feel a lot of satisfaction that I've been able to be a counselor in the camp that I went to since I was seven years old. When you talk to kids who are at the end of high school about what's been most meaningful to them it's relationships, it's moments of where they felt like they made it had impact. And sometimes it's learning experiences, but it's learning experiences that aren't about grades. It's about like that time I discovered my passion for organic chemistry, right? You know, it's about deeper stuff. Yeah. Rambling. No, you're not rambling. And I think your point is that actually translates to kids thriving 
in all areas of their life, right? Mm -hmm. Like the straight A kids who are just killing it in class are killing it in a lot of other areas that don't have to do with achievement. Like they really care about something. They find meaning in something besides school. And that sense of, you know, that strong sense of self-worth and belief in themselves translates into the classroom. So you are promoting all sorts of good things in your kids by doing things that are not academically related, if I'm making sense. Like parents think like, oh, this is such a waste of time because it doesn't translate into getting – yes, it does. (laughs) Like it absolutely does. Yeah, totally. I think parents are like, oh, this this is like – what does this have to do? Like Harvard doesn't care if my kid goes to and does community service and and helps rescue – Mows their neighbor's lawn, you know. Like does that matter? I'm like, yeah, it totally matters because it's about character, right? It's about – helping your kid be a good person and feeling good about themselves. Like I am a good person. I do stuff for other people. I do hard things and I am successful. Well, that's the other thing. Things. Yeah. I think that's a really important point is in addition to feel, you know, people who feel content with their sense of self are often people who feel moral. They've acted with principle. They've acted according to their values. They've been congruent to their values and their behavior. But the other part that I think you're bringing up that's so important is that the self-confidence that comes when any of us, but especially young people, can prove to themselves that they can do a hard thing, man, they will remember that and use that 20 years later when they're trying to get a new job or they have to have a difficult conversation with their boss. Like We all are able to... You know, how many conversations, how many like life conversations have you and I had over the years where one of us is telling the other one of us is like, you know what? Like you've been through worse. Like you've done harder things. Like you're going to be okay, right? Like we need to have those experiences to feel confident moving through the world. Like it's just such great adult development, right? Young adult development to do that. Uh What do you do? Let me ask you, Kathy, like what do you tell, I think this is a real problem that comes up. What do you tell parents who have children who are just like not motivated? They're just like, I worked hard all year long. I got A's like you told me to do. I take hard classes. Like I deserve to sit at home and do what I want. And I want to play video games like all weekend. And they're really resistant to their mom or dad's or guardian's attempt to engage in some, you know, they, they say like, let's go for a drive through the Redwoods. And they're like, ugh, gross. That sounds so boring. I don't want to do that. How far away is it? Like, I don't want to go to that museum. Museums are boring. How would you advise parents to kind of meet that resistance when they encounter it? I'll be like, you better get your asses in this car right now. That's true. <laughs> that is true. That is exactly what you would say. You'd be I like, get your exactly, ass in the car. You want actually to- exactly what I would say. This is what Kathy would say. Do you want to live and or be alive at the end of the day? <laughs> exactly. Do you want to be alive? Then you will get in this car right then now. Then you will get your ass up and you will get in the car. <laughs> That's, you know, That's exactly how my kids would be raised. Well, I would be. <laughs> I mean, Let's assume I that everyone would do that. I have a kid right now who's so resistant to everything that we've asked him to do this summer. So I'm living that experience right now as we speak. And I would just, you know, I have told his parents, 
one of the things we're trying to get him to do is to do an outward bound program because we think mm-hmm. it would be really good for his self-confidence, would mm-hmm. help him face some of his fears that he has about the outdoors people, about his ability to do hard things. It's not yeah. about the outdoors. We have to, to – people are like, oh, but my kid doesn't like the outdoors. Outward bound is not about the outdoors. Right. It is outdoors, but it's – that's not what's really developing in kids, right? And so I – you know, we've tried in very nice ways to – let him be the one to choose this for himself. <laughs> yeah. But he's not and he won't because he's really afraid and it's way outside of his comfort zone. And he's just very bad at approaching anything that's outside of his comfort zone. And so right now what I'm asking his parents to say is, listen, if you want to do this thing that you love, we are asking you to do one week of this over the summer. And it's not just we're asking you, you are going to do it. If you want to do this thing that you love, right? You have to do both. You have to do both. (laughs) Well, I was hoping you would share that because I was listening to the tone of this conversation was uncharacteristically not cynical for us. I was like, positive? (laughs) We're like, ah, joy, frolicking. I was like, wait a minute. Hold up. (laughs) Wait, I thought we were trying to have a a happy episode at the end (laughs) of We are. No, we are trying to have a happy, and we are very happy. I mean, I think you and I generally are pretty happy people who actually cultivate a lot of joy and frolic frequently, especially on our romantic vacations that we take together. That is true. But I'm glad you shared that story because I do think resistance is the reality for a lot of families. And it's a good reminder that you as parents sometimes are just going to have to pull the parent card. Because you know that it serves the long-term well-being of your child. Much like taking them to the pediatrician and getting their shots, you know, serves them in the long term, right? Even though it's uncomfortable and it makes them cry when they're little and it's hard and it's hard to watch your kids suffer. But, you know, like that's for their health, right? This also is for their health and well-being. And so sometimes you might need to, you might need to be like, yo, get your ass in the car if you want to still be conscious. Maybe don't threaten <laughs> that much. I this I love you know that we are people of color because we can talk like that about raising children. We're like, do you want to be alive? Would you like to be alive? Then you will get in this car. Okay. Do you want yeah. also like, do you want your allowance? Do you want to be able to go to this thing on this weekend? Next weekend with your friends? Okay, well, you're gonna do that this weekend with us. Hee <laughs> hee. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because I think that just teaches responsibility. And there's so much of adolescent life that's so self-centered. I can't underscore what you, the point you made earlier about getting outside of yourself and really being committed to causes or people beyond you. I mean, I just think that's good for all of us, right? And we live in a very me, me, me kind of society, but tuning into the collective is important and being a member of your community is important and it has real material benefit to your child's well-being over time. And the earlier you do it, the better. The earlier you set that expectation for your kids, like this is what we do as a family, the the better, right? Like a lot of kids that I work with, like the expectation is that they will work over the summer. Like that expectation has been set early. Maybe you're not old enough to get a job, but you will work for our family. Like I will pay you to do these things for these chores, big projects that need to get done around the house, right? Like the expectation early on is that you will work, right? I had a, 
Can I make a quick aside about allowance? I had a, I was talking to a friend of mine who has kids and was giving them an allowance and I forget how they were describing it, but she was sort of like just sharing with me and, you know, she's a close friend of mine. So I was, she's telling me this story and I was like, wait a minute, like, so they're not actually doing anything for their allowance. She's like, well, like they're sort of, I was like, so you're just giving them money every week or every month to just without any expectation that they need to earn that. And, you know, she was super uncomfortable. And basically the answer was like, yes, because they want to do this. They want to do that. Or their friends are doing this or their friends are doing that. I'm like, um, so what do we think? Cause I can talk to her like this. I was like, so what do we think we're teaching your child about money? She was like, okay, Meredith, be quiet. <laughs> I was like, so your child is going to grow up learning that money just comes to them. And they don't have to, there's no responsibility to earn it. So I think your point about, you know, if this, then this is a really important one. And I have issues with uh, the whole concept of allowance sometimes bugs me. I know the allowance, we could do a whole episode on allowances, but we should actually talk about next season, season three, stay tuned. (laughs) Well, and the same lady who told my family that they had to do the ACT study for the ACT and the SAT and go to a four week (laughs) summer program if it was going to count, also told them that getting a summer job is lame because everybody does that. And I was like, first of all, nobody no. does that. Nobody does that. <laughs> yeah, not Don't in the area that nope. we live in. <laughs> nobody does that. Go work at Target, homie. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you'll learn a lot more in your three weeks at Target than you right. will in some perfectly <laughs> precious three-week college program at Columbia. Yeah. Ugh, get out of my face. <laughs> get out of it. Well, and the summer job, right? Like, I think it's so good for kids. And they always feel like when they apply to college, like, should I put my in and out job on there? I'm like, you should totally put your in and out job on there. You should so take great. You put your in and out job on there and write about it. I had a kid who worked at Chuck E. Cheese over the summer and her Ooh. entire college essay was about Chuck E. Cheese. That's, it was really good. Brave. <laughs> it was brave. And I it, was a, it was. It was a fun essay. And she learned so much. She did actually learn a lot about herself and people different than herself. And it was challenging and hard in ways that school's not. Like the way that AP Chem is challenging is not the way that Chuck E. Cheese is challenging, right? And jobs <laughs> are – good. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. You pay me enough money to go to the Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, I love Chuck E. Cheese. But, you know, I think that summer jobs too are such a great way for kids to experience challenge and failure and in very safe ways. Like they're not always going to be like, especially if you're working in customer service or if you're a waitress, right? Like dealing with difficult people, unhappy people, like getting the order wrong, right? Like messing up the bill. Like that's a good experience for kids. Like they're like, oh crap, I totally effed that up. Whoops. (laughs) And getting talked to about it. You're bringing something up that I think is also a really important thing to think about for summer, which is exposing your kids to difference. And what we mean by difference can vary, but I think being around different environments, different people, different socioeconomic brackets, different ethnic backgrounds, different customs, traditions is really important exposure to kids, especially in places where we live and work, where privilege is so sickeningly high. And right? let me, let's be clear. We don't think that there are lots of programs who will send your kids to Costa Rica to surf and help and 
teach underprivileged kids to play soccer. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about. Those programs are their luxury. It's like a luxury vacation packaged as community service. Let me give you a better example of what we're talking about. So, you know, where I grew up was in a, you know, I would say my parents before they got divorced were, you know, comfortably like middle, middle, upper class and they're highly educated people. And so I grew up in an area that had a lot of wealth. I don't think we participated in that particularly, but that was clear. And it was very clear to me from a very young age, both of my parents, and I really give them a lot of credit for this, were like, yo, I mean, but they didn't say that because that's not how they talked to me. They're like, Meredith, we need to sit down and talk about, I'm like, oh, fine. But they were like, basically, this is not the real world. This is not how the vast majority of people in the world live and exist. And they were very demonstrative about that. And they were very intentional about not having me spend any more time than was necessary in that bubble. In part because values wise, like our values as a family didn't connect to a lot of other families' values about wealth or privilege. Like it just didn't, we didn't, it wasn't resonant to me. Culturally, it wasn't resonant. It was a very white place. You know, my mom is Jewish. My dad is Mexican-American. Like it just didn't connect on a lot of levels. And I remember my mom well, first of all, I, you know, my dad is a professor at USC. And so I lived about 45 minutes south of USC and USC is situated in an area of Los Angeles that is, you know, sort of a lower socioeconomic area. And I remember us going there all the time. You know, he would take me to USC all the time as a little girl. And he would talk about it and he would talk about the community and we would go to the community and how important that was. And then my mom is a veterinarian and she had a hospital where we lived. And then there was another hospital where she would volunteer at in an an area of Los Angeles that was, you know, like a poor neighborhood. And I would go there on Sundays. This is not what I wanted, how I wanted to spend my Sunday. She's like, no, 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 you're coming with me. I'm volunteering all day and you're going to walk dogs and clean cages. And like, you're going to talk to people and you're going to go and like get the dogs and bring them back. And like, you know, and I'm like eight, right. It was, and I think that those moments you know, in my late twenties now, I remember that stuff vividly decades later. I remember how important that was for me to understand growing up. And it has informed so much of my like life choices. You know, my entire career has been about, has been a helping profession, right? Because it was so important to me and so important. I think it was such a value of my family to like be exposed and celebrate, not just voyeuristically be exposed, but like be a member of different kinds of communities and celebrate and see the beauty in different kinds of communities, especially communities that are outside of privileged spaces. Yeah, absolutely. Kids need to do that more. Schools need to do that more. Parents need to help their kids do that more, undoubtedly. I also like what you said about your mom making you clean cages. Oh, I clean so many cages. I know, I know. And it's great because it's messy work. And <laughs> girl, you know, I know, but it's good because it's messy work and it's humbling. And I'm sure it's made you more resilient and made you tougher. And it's also like it was nice that your mom is a veterinarian and she had access to that for you, right? 
versus like some of our parents who want to get their kids an internship at their office, right? It's like very different. Yeah. My internship was very different. My it's internship was getting low-key, almost bitten by a lot of dogs and <laughs> giving them baths. My yeah. internship, quote, unquote, internship. Your internship. I, but I love that because I don't think that we let our kids experience discomfort enough, you know? And yes, we started this episode talking about joy, but, you know, joy Joy can be experienced through pushing through discomfort. Like, like For sure. you know, you can still take pride in a job well done, finishing that hike, getting to the top of the mountain, even though it was treacherous to get there, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Like, I think they actually go hand in hand. A lot of times we experience joy because we had to work for it. Right? Oh, for sure. And it taught me such good work ethic. And you're right. Like it made me unafraid of gross things, right? Like clean cages, by the way, is gross. A lot of the times. Yeah. Maybe like, I'm not phased by that kind of stuff. I'm not phased by a lot of things that, you know, I don't have a sense of preciousness around that. I grew up riding horses. You know, when I tell people that that's often an activity that is the province of people with a lot of means, that's not how I grew up riding horses. Like it wasn't like my parents just bought me a horse and we had lots of like, that wasn't it. Like my mom had a client who owed her a bunch of money and was like, teach my kid how to ride. But I wasn't allowed to ride. I would ride for a half an hour once a week. And I would do manual labor for like three hours in order to get the privilege of riding for a half an hour. So I'm mucking stalls, I'm cleaning tack and I loved it. And like, I learned at a young age to be very self-sufficient and like reliant. And like, you see it all the time now as adults, like, like something breaks in my house. Like I FaceTime my dad and we figure out how to fix it together. Like, that's just my, I default to that. And I really give my parents a lot of credit for that because they were like, no, you're going to learn to be uncomfortable and you're going to learn to find your way through that tunnel and it's going to be fine. And you know what? They were right. You know, it's interesting because I didn't really experience that as a kid. I mean, I grew up in a much more, like my life was traumatizing enough without needing, <laughs> like I had enough yeah. challenges just because yeah. of my life that yeah. I didn't go seek out more challenging experiences as a kid. But as an adult, one of the things that I did as a volunteer is I worked for a farm that was an animal oh, sanctuary. And one of the things that I did was I mucked out. I cleaned I cleaned a lot of horse, donkey, and goat poop. I mucked out the pigsty, <laughs> pig stalls. Like I cleaned chicken coops. Like I spent like hours filtering out chicken poop from sawdust. <laughs> like, and it was like I volunteered to do that with my time. I'm like, you know what would be a great way to spend my Sunday morning is to spend four hours at the farm doing really yucky, gross stuff. But I love animals. Like, you know, it's in line with my values. I love animals. I love all the chickens. I got to go there and pet all the cows and the pigs and the goats and the chickens and the donkeys and the llamas that they were saving. And, you know, it was hard work. But at the end of the day, you always felt like really good about a job well done. You could look at your chicken coops and be like, look at these chicken coops. These chickens are going to be happy for the next 24 hours. And then somebody's going to have to do it again. But <laughs> do it all over again. Exactly. <laughs> do it all over again. But, you know, there's something to that. And I think that parents oftentimes want to protect their kids from that. And I think that's not always necessary. I think that's actually quite good for kids to have to get dirty. Yeah. I mean, I, and I mean that literally like, yeah, they need to get dusty. They need to get dirty. They need to like have some skills on how to like fix a thing that breaks. 
I have a sixth grader right now who is going to camp because I told her mom that she should go to sleepaway camp, like, you know, outdoor yeah. camp. Yeah. And she's very not happy about it because she's like, it's so dirty. The bathrooms are gross. She's like, oh, my God, the bathrooms are so gross. And I'm like, why? She's like, it's just like one shower curtain and it's yucky tile and it's it looks so dirty. It's yucky funny. tile. <laughs> I'm telling you. I oh am telling God. you, girl. And I, she was like, when we go stay at the hotels, the hotel bathrooms sometimes aren't even nice enough for me. I'm like, girl, you need to go to camp. <laughs> you do like, need to go. You need to, you need to go camping. Out. Here's a shovel. Yeah. Go here's a shif- yeah. Here's a shovel. Exactly. You know, you need to toughen up. And I didn't have a lot of those experiences until I was older. I'm grateful that I've had them. But, you know, I – you had uh, other experiences that toughed you, toughed yeah, you yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, I had different types of experiences. That toughed you me had up. East LA experiences <laughs> exactly. that toughed you up. Yeah, people try to kick my ass once a week. That toughed me up real quick. But, you know, I was just struck by this little girl who was like, ew. And I was like, you need to develop this skill stat to be uncomfortable. Yeah. To sit with your discomfort. Like, you are going to be uncomfortable and you are going to survive and you're actually even going to have fun. What a gift. Yeah. What a gift. <laughs> oh my God. So funny. Summer. Yeah. You know, the other thing I'm going to say is have fun as a family. You know, watch a yes. stupid movie together. Like, it's so Get busy. Get dirty together. Get, year. Get dirty together. Go to the beach. Go to a park and just like have a picnic. Like, just have a water be- fight. <laughs> okay. Come on over, Cassie. Have a food fight. No, just oh, kidding. Food, no, well, food that's fight. a little too messy. I don't like Water fight. That could be fun. That could be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be fun. Like, spend time together as a family because I think people's lives are so busy. And parents, I think it's equally important for you, especially if your kids don't drive and they're younger and you're spending so much of the like September through June time just like being a chauffeur, you know, finding time to like, for you and your partner to connect and take some space, finding time for all of you and your children to connect and go be in nature, just sit inside your yard or like play a fun game together. Like, I just think though that our lives get so busy sometimes that we just don't take the time to connect in sort of sweet, playful ways. I, you know, a couple, about a month ago, my stepsisters listen to this podcast sometimes and I don't know that my, that, my stepmom does, but she's going to be so mortified. Sorry, Margaret. Love you. We were all together in this place in Utah, which is so fun. And like at night, it was really cool. Like I don't like snow sports, as you know, I am not a creature of snow. So I mostly stayed and worked during the day, but then everybody came back at night and we were just like making dinner and like, not everybody was constantly around each other, but there was like a conga line one night. There was like games being played. Like there was like Legos that were, you know, we were tripping over and it was just fun, you know, and it was like unstructured, but connected. And that felt really good. Yeah. And yeah. the spontaneous dance party is always a great idea. The conga line was Margaret's idea. And I got to <laughs> say, we were all a little resistant. I'm not going to lie, but it was pretty fun. It was some people, we had to go up and downstairs, which I don't know if you've ever done that in a conga line. Kind of <laughs> difficult, hard. actually. It was yeah. really hard. Hard to coordinate. And like, <laughs> Yeah. And like, there's a lot of different heights in the family. So if you're with a really sh- like a short, small child versus a really like tall, big child, it was hard. I almost died a couple of <laughs> times, but it was worth it. And we were laughing a lot. Oh yes. Laughing together as family. So important. So, so important. Michelle, Chrissy, if you're listening, I appreciate your conga line activities. Well, I, you know, 
we have to wrap up, but I hope that you experience joy, laughter, and happiness together as a family. Don't be afraid to push your kids into challenging situations this summer. They might resist, but just know that it's good for them and it will actually bring them joy once they get come out of the other side. Right. What else you want to add, Meredith, before we end? I think that's really beautifully said. Like, have fun, rest, enjoy. And finally, thank you so much for like tuning into our podcast for another season. We like doing this because we love to spend time with one another and we like to feel useful. And we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to spend some time with us and listen to us blather on about various things (laughs) that we think are important to talk about. And that sometimes piss us off and sometimes make us really happy. So thank you. Yeah. And I think it pisses us off because, or like when Meredith and I get worked up, it's just because we really love teenagers. We do. We do. Not everybody does, but we happen to love teenagers and we see what they struggle with. And we're really trying to shift some of the behaviors and ways that we are raising our teens because Sato is good for them, right? A lot of the culture needs to change. So thank you for listening to us. Bitch and complain. We're sorry if we hurt your feelings, but, you know, we try to keep it 100. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next season with more exciting content for you. Woo! Bye, everyone. Have a great summer. Bye-bye.